Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Today I'm featuring a conversation with a musician I think will wow you. Corey Henry is a remarkably gifted multi-instrumentalist. Growing up in the church, he started playing the Hammond B3 organ at age two and played his first gig at the Apollo Theater in New York City at age six. And as a professional musician, he's played alongside Bruce Springsteen, Boys to Men, The Roots, Kirk Franklin, and many others, as well as he's played keys with the acclaimed group Snarky Puppy, which earned three Grammys during his tenure. Now he leads his band, Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles, who are releasing an album on October 30th called Something to Say, which features all of Henry's gifts, but especially his voice, on an album that makes you want to get up and dance as much as it makes you want to take action. Here's my conversation with Corey Henry. Also, just before we get started, a funny aside, Corey's little new pitbull puppy gets on the microphone a few times, so you might hear her snorting. It's adorable. I feel like a major theme that I've been seeing in music today is this contrast of upbeat music with more introspective lyrics. And I feel like your opening song, Don't Forget, does just this. I wrote the music first on this one. This is one uh, song that mm. I was sitting in the studio and I played all the instruments on this track. After I got the track to a place that I liked sonically, it took me a while to find a, a chorus that I liked. And then I found this melody. I found the melody chorus after about like, it took me about a month or something. It was like a while after I mm. laid down the track this one night. And I was inspired by like so many life events that's been happening that's been like crazy. I remember saying to a friend of mine, I was like, it's crazy, we, we'd be up in arms for a week and a half, <laughs> you know, like like socially, we 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 all be on one one accord about one thing, and it would last about a week or so before, if not two right. days, <laughs> sometimes. The news cycle is mad. Yeah, the main thing was about that. Like, don't forget what you're fighting for. Don't forget what you're living for. And I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> How does Don't Forget set the scene for what you're wanting to say on this record? For me, it's about taking a step into being a lyricist, <laughs> a vocalist. I do have something to say, you know, and I feel like my music is my uh, safe space to say it. Don't Forget sets it up because it's a thing, a concept that comes from my heart. Unlike any other record on this album, <laughs> this one is one of the first ones 
that I played every instrument and I did all the vocals and I did everything. And I'm like, this is my sound. This is, you know, how I feel about mm. everything. I'm, I'm really proud of that. You know? I've been listening a lot recently to Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions. played, performed, recorded pretty much the entire thing by himself, mm -hmm. yet it has the spirit of a live band. And I think more importantly in how it connects to our conversation, I feel like he has this remarkable capacity to incorporate all that's going on in any given moment, whether it's romance on the one hand or the fight for equality on the other. Like It's all in his music, and I feel like we get a taste of that right when we get into your record, Don't Forget. No, not only are we getting all Corey Henry playing the whole thing, but we're getting a really potent message. You implore listeners, don't forget what you're living for, what you're fighting for. What do you feel like you're living for and fighting for these days? I want my music to fight for the, the change I want to see in this world. You know, I think that we want to see in this world in terms of peace and equality, and especially in this nation. Racism is rampant and all these things. I want you know, my music to at least serve, you know, a purpose just like some of my heroes served their purpose musically, you know, in the fight that they was living through during those times and eras that they lived through. And I think that is like really paramount for me to be able to serve the purpose, you know, to help people to keep fighting. Everybody fights differently, you know what I'm saying? And this is my first time actually really honing in my music voice, my musical voice, my talents and all of my energy to say something on record. I do believe that in these times that we're living in, we will forget major events, you know, for other major events. And then it's like, at the end of the day, we still haven't beat racism. Right. And it's like, as much as I, you know, before all of this crazy stuff that I thought was crazy in terms of today's living standards, you know, uh, I watched videos from the 60s and I, I always like, oh man, I, I used to say I wanted to be born in that time just because, you know, Sly, I'm, I'm looking at these guys. But then it's like, wait a minute, it's 2020. We are here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So all of my favorite songs, uh, they're talking about the things I'm living through. And I feel more inspired to talk about those things because I'm living through them things. Speaking for myself, and I think it might resonate for many of us, it's a time of being relatively removed while also engaged often at a distance. And that's often happening through being a news junkie reading too much media, and it's really easy to jump on to the next thing. We can just consume and consume and consume all the news. But here, you're encouraging people to go out and fight for something. And we're going to hear about that throughout the rest of the record. But I think you make an interesting turn in your second song. Following Don't Forget, we get a track called Happy Days. Happy Days for me feels like the want song of this record. You tackle issues of gun rights, what it is to be black in America, speaking directly to saying the names of those who've been killed by police violence. And yet we have a song called Happy Days because it seems like despite these overtly political songs, the core desire is that we can all be happy. We can experience love. We can have joy. Absolutely. Happy Days came at a moment when I, uh, when I first moved. I was walking down the block and it was, I was looking at the trees and something about the atmosphere of where I was staying at. And I was like, man, this thing had me 
in a different place. I went to the studio and I have this rule about not leaving um, the studio with ideas. You know, if I still have ideas, I need to record them. I started playing these chords and like out of nowhere, I had the melody and the, the chords that just came together. And it was like, whoa. And then when the, when I thought about what I want to talk about on this record, you know, I was really just like, I want happy days. I want literally, and I thought it was corny at first, but when I was like, you know, cause I was thinking about like love in a certain sense, but then it was like more broad, you know, just like, like we all can create happy days, like friendships or loved ones, you know, or whatever family it's like, it can actually more be more broad than it comes off because like this record was about straight up summertime, joy, fun, happiness. I was like, this is, this is vibes to me all day long. <laughs> yeah, to get through this hard stuff, sometimes we got to have those happy days. We got to know what we're fighting for. Mm. And, uh, you know, musically, I feel this also feels quite connected to a lot of other happy songs. I hear taste of Daft Punk something about us. Beyonce's Love on Top. Oh, yeah. Bring the beat in. And for me, I get a lot of Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Lovely in here as well. talk about that the album is really clearly making a statement about having something to say mm -hmm. and one of the things that you're quite known for beyond your voice which you're really highlighting here is your instrumental voice you play a lot of different instruments and i wanted to just sort of hone in on them because i think they really show off your multiple talents What is the instrument that's going on when you're soloing? It's a melodica. It's a keyboard that you blow into. You have to blow into it to get the uh, sound to come in while you play the keyboards. It's unlike all the other keyboards. <laughs> it's a wind instrument It's a keyboard. wind instrument keyboard, basically. Huh. When I first wrote the song, my vision was for Stevie Wonder to play the solo. It sounds like harmonica-ish. I said, if I couldn't get him to sing or do something, whatever, because that might have been too big of a stretch, my idea, I'm telling you, when I first wrote the song, I said, there's only about, what, few bars or something like that. It's a short solo. Yeah. He can play harmonica, and he will blaze this thing. You know, it hasn't happened yet, but um, I was trying to get the closest thing to that kind of thing. Stevie Wonder is definitely probably the biggest inspiration for that particular one, for me. One of the things I hear on this track is, a pretty simple organ vamp, mostly going back and forth between a couple chords. But at every moment, there's all this movement and change and chorusing that's going on. When I've watched videos of you play, it's equally you playing your instrument, but also it feels like you're a mechanic. And you're just like constantly moving and turning things to make the instrument breathe and do things that I completely don't understand. I was wondering if you'd give us a quick little lesson on how you bring life to that instrument 
and maybe we could use the chords of happy days as an example. Oh man, wow. <laughs> the organ is fun, I guess, because there's so many different things you can do at one time, right? So like mm. there's two manuals, meaning there's two keyboards in which you can play simultaneously. So like you can take a bright sound and then like a patty sound, right? Right, and and just with your hands, create a motion like two, three, uh. So my right hand is playing a quarter note, da, da, do, do, do. and my left hand is just padding it. You know, a lot of keyboards, you can't get two different sounds. And then I can play bass at the same time with my feet, right? I can be like the whole rhythm section you know what I'm saying that kind of thing I'm playing a rhythm with my feet I'm patting my hands and then I, on my right foot you know you can make it really interesting by like using the volume pedal so there's a volume pedal right So you can do a whole bunch of different things to just a number of chords to make it, you know, feel like it's not the same two chords you heard. You know, like these is always, it always feels new to, new to play these chords. Sometimes I want to solo over it. You know, like it's just so much. I feel like I can play over those two chords. It always feels like life to me, you know. And I love turnaround types of things. I think it comes from like playing in church a lot. One of the sounds that totally wows me is I, I feel like at times you just make the entire thing scream like a human voice. How in the world do you do that? Turn it up real loud. <laughs> Pull the things out, turn it up loud, and just lay that thing. <laughs> I love the B3s, you know? Yeah. You that thing. Dang. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to church. That is church. That's like, open the doors. Everybody's coming in. <laughs> Come on Beautiful in thing. sit on down. <laughs> Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You say that the B3 has soul to it. And I feel like the life of this record comes across in your song, Rise. You have said that you play music that is informed by spiritual principles, where music connects to the soul, connects with a deeper part of us and inspires people to change and do good things. How is that happening for you on the song Rise? When I wrote the song, you know, I wasn't thinking about some of the issues that we're going through today or having gone through, you know, this pandemic. You recorded the song a little while back. I wrote it right before I went on tour in October, so sometime around June or July last year. 2019, yeah. But, you know, as I said before, it's not like it's a new thing or a new concept in terms of like right. what I'm talking about, but it was one of my first times actually doing it with my voice from my perspective, you know, in a way that I like to do it. You know, I, you know, I listen to Sly and the Family Stone and Larry Graham and Curtis Mayfield and Danny Hathaway. And, you know, there's just so many people that like spoke about change and they were they way Marvin Gaye. Without trying, the words just flowed out. The second verse came first. I said, uh, it feels like somehow. That last line is when I knew I had like a thing because I was like, wait a minute. I saw a video on Twitter, which I often look at, <laughs> of these robots delivering packages. And I was just like, wow, you know. Then I saw another video of a robot shooting basketball, throwing a football, wanted to like doing a sports activity. Right. They got these robots doing everything. <laughs> what happened if like human, the human race are slaves to robots? What happened if they just like go haywire? You're like, we're not going to be able to eat, beat no robots. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Terminator. It might go downhill. It's just like, you know, this is probably in some movie somewhere, but I'm just, that's what I was thinking about. And then it just kind of hit. And I was like, you know, we got to rise. We got to come together. We got to, whatever that means <laughs> in terms of like the realness, I wanted that to feel through song. Like all of those things. It's like, it was evident. It was like right at the front of my mind once like those things came out, you know, what the next thing was. And I was just like, we gonna rise. And I was like, man, this feels down home. It feels like I wrote this 20 years ago mm. when I was playing in church every Sunday. You know, it feels like, mm. you know, something that they would be singing in 1964. You know, it feels like something that we could be singing in 2030. It's a thing that I feel like I'm happy about because the song is simple. You know, like I wasn't going for a chord changes and jazzy things and whatever that I was just like musically I wanted to be powerful and lyrically I wanted to be powerful and man we play that song anytime we play that song I just be like ooh pumping my chest <laughs> up because uh the feeling that the song gives me 
it's unspeakable. It's oh man, it feels so. It, it just feels amazing, and it's one of my favorite songs on the record. When everyone's singing, we're gonna rise. It feels connected to the church and that the chorus is just so angelic it's enormous you feel surrounded by it and mm. surrounded by it in the best way Everybody we you're part of it it's warm it's beautiful it's thank you it's a call to action mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the song when it came to you <laughs> I love the story is sort of, you know, you going down into a Twitter wormhole and having a sci-fi dystopian nightmare. And yet to a certain degree, that nightmare has arrived in a form you maybe hadn't totally anticipated in the, we are needing to fight technology, which is a real threat to democracy as we're experiencing in, uh, it's a given amongst occurs. all the social media platforms and their twisting of algorithms that are actually hurting our democracy so that's happening that's happening global protests for equality social justice i mean they were happening but not on the level of noise that they're happening now so a lot has changed since you wrote this song and i'm curious about how has the meaning of rise changed for you since you penned it i don't know if it changed since i penned it i think that i've become more confident in it since I penned it. Mm. I don't try to write political songs. I'm not calling this a political song, but I don't try to do that thing. But even before I called this record something to say, I didn't really have a name of the record. It just That just happened at the end because I was like, oh, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm saying something important, <laughs> you know, but uh, Rise, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like trying until those lines happened. And when I put it out, I didn't know I want to be judged or I don't know what it was, but there was a certain kind of like, let me chill factor <laughs> on this song because it can wait or something like that. But when it came out, it came out in the midst of so much chaos. I was like, man, the timing of the song has given me confidence because it's like, I wrote it at a time where I wasn't trying to do that. And it fits a time where it needs to be in. Sometimes as a writer, I'm not as confident in all the songs I'm writing. You know, like I'm writing them for a certain scenario or I just like talking about another thing. You know, there's all these other things. Mm-hmm. When I push it out rather and it becomes a thing that I can be confident in, it's like it's different. That part is different. But I feel the same way as I felt when I wrote it, you know, because of like I said earlier, it's like, you know, the things happened in the 60s and all those things in the 50s and the 40s, whatever. So, you know, I had a good place of where I'm writing from. But I wasn't as confident in I, I, as I am now. Mm. I'm much more confident about the message of that song now. It makes sense to be fearful of putting yourselves out there, being vulnerable in this way. And yet it connects for exactly that reason. And I feel this song is not about centering you and your experience. Mm. Because when we hear Rise, it's everybody's voice. It's about everybody. It is about everybody. How many bodies? Everybody. <laughs> It's inviting, you know? Yeah. It's not, it doesn't feel exclusive. Yeah. Feels like you're inviting everybody else to have something to say. I am. I am. Kind of coming back full circle. In your song, Don't Forget, you have this lyric. Time means nothing without change. So don't waste it. Time means nothing without change. 
So don't waste it.、Mm. Don't waste it.、Mm. I'm someone who really dives deep into sort of musical components. I like getting in the weeds. But recently, lyric has been very important to me, and this line really stood out. I think because of this difficult contrast that we live in right now, where there is both so much change happening at once. You know, back to the message of your song, "Don't forget." And at the same time, there is no change. Right? We have to be, if we're being responsible for our health and others, relatively secluded. Days just seem to flow on by in an infinite amount of time that is both forever long and extremely fast. How do you feel like you're using this time so that it's not wasted? Oh man, that's yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to use the time much better these days now that、uh, we all have the same time per day in terms of you know well most of us at least I'm sure it's just all of us I want to say 24 hours you know. This pandemic, when everything was shut down, we all like at the house. <laughs> you all like not doing nothing. You like try to figure it out. I've been creating focuses, certain focuses musically in the studio. My focus has been like the completion of a record. It can sound easy, but it's like a task <laughs> because there's so many things that go within it. You know, from the mixing and the you know the mastering, or just you know trying to get the sonic scape of recording it. Right. Every one song is ten thousand small decisions. It's really, really is, really is. And outside of that, creating other focuses, you know, trying to work out more, you know, not develop this pandemic gut, you know, that I've <laughs> been getting, oh,、uh, you know, during the quarantine time, just like getting out, you know, seeing at least the city, seeing the world as it is, and. Not taking in too much of the politics and not doing too much of the social media binging that you know, I used to, you know, just trying to keep a clear head,、um, just trying to just change it up, you know, because I think before these moments, you know, things are going so fast that like you just kind of just go with the. And I'm from New York, so like being from New York, I just I just want to go as fast as I can go. <laughs> But during this time, it's like, oh no, you get to slow down and really be introspective and figure things out and make the right decisions as you go forward because it's really going to be monumental what we all do as a people you know just like how do we come together actually as people like what is that step what do we have to do and so on and so forth and、um, you know a lot of talk about it and it's time to be about it I know there are some of us and some of You know, there's so many people out here that are about it and fighting for change, on the streets and in the sand and then out there, warriors. You know what I'm saying? It's like we see more of that. You know, there's so much division that's happening in this country right now, and it's like that's crazy. In 2020, we talk about wearing masks. <laughs> like we got a ways to go, but I want the music to serve purpose as that. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be a part of. Change that I want to see if that makes sense.、Hmm. Well, thank you for putting the message out there. Time means nothing without change, so don't waste it. What's the next line on that one? Hate is fear that is not tame. So we keep trying, we keep trying every day. Hate is fear that is not tamed. Woo! That's woo. So we keep trying,、Oof. we keep trying every day. Please don't. Hate is fear that's not tame. I thought that was a nice line too, you know, because we just let the hate just control us. I'm saying us, but people, you know what I mean? Like, 
Racism is hate. It is controlled, informed, and feared, and like and hate. And when you don't tame it, it's just some. It's a beast. It's so. Let's not forget. <laughs> that's that's good. Come on, Corey Henry. <laughs> I mean, hey, I feel like given your experience growing up, learning to play the organ in the church, I feel like. That lyric is a sermon well earned to preach. Oh man, we could stay on that. We could stay on that, you know. And and, that, and even in that with this song, it's like there's not a lot of lyrics, but it's all important, you know. What I'm saying like the second verse is like it's not a lot, but I feel like it's important. First verse is the same way. It's like it's not a lot, but it's important, and you can stay on one of those things and talk about that for however many minutes you want to, you know. Because mm. it's just real. It's like it's. You know, like I, I say a lot on for, for this record or something to say. I said a lot of stuff. Like I think I really pushed the envelope, and and there might be some moments where I think people might want to debate me, and I'm kind of ready for that. You know, because I'm putting this music out and I'm saying what I want to say, and I feel confident about what I'm putting out there. You know, but there are certain no debatables. You know, like what we're talking about right now. That's like we all live by kind of the standard. Like if we can live by the standard, you can understand what I'm saying. It's like. We all can't waste time. Time is the most valuable thing we have. Like, it's more valuable than money. There's no way you can convince me otherwise. I hope people feel that. You know, I hope people feel that when they hear some of these records. It's like, yeah, I get with that. I get, <laughs> I get what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying something. <laughs> Congrats on putting this record out. It's been a real joy getting to share it with you. Do you feel like there's anything else? that you would like to leave us with? Is there anything you didn't feel like you got to touch on in these songs or on the rest of the record? No, man. I just want people to enjoy the journey. You know, on this record, I want people to just be receptive and, you know, and open and and enjoy it, you know, and, and dance and have fun and play it to their friends and hopefully their friends like it. and Their friends play it to their friends. <laughs> and rise up. I'm not, uh, I'm not pressed beyond anything beyond that you know i just i just want people to like it because i like it (laughs) it's been absolute pleasure chatting with you all right cool man i appreciate you for having me on man can't wait to see what you do with it man all right man live in love man live in peace yeah right on thanks Corey. so next week we're going to be kicking off a four-part series called anthems it's going to examine how a song can rile up a whole crowd, get them out of their seat, all stomping their feet together. And we're leading off with one of the most rousing anthems of all, Queens, We Are the Champions. I've probably heard the song close to a thousand times. And yet, Nate had me hearing this operatic track in an entirely new way. Come back next week to check it out. Until then, you can find us on social media at SwitchedOnPop, on the web at SwitchedOnPop.com. This episode was produced by Bridget Armstrong, guest engineered by Bill Lance, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, social media by Abby Barr, Nishat Kurwa and Liz Kelly Nelson are our executive producers. I'm Charlie Harding, and we're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll see you next Tuesday with a little Freddie Mercury, and until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>